So today's props for the kids' message aren't really going to look like props because last week I talked about like what season it was. You remember that? I talked about it's it's autumn. Some people call it fall, especially if you're battling leaves um, like me, and I know like Ross has been battling leaves at their house, and you know just when you when you're having that fight because the leaves are falling off the tree, so that's why we call this season fall. But there's actually another name for this season. Did you know that? This is called cold and flu season, okay? <laughs> you know this one. So what do I got here? I got tissues, and what is this? Hand sanitizer. And sometimes you see people wearing face masks, right? And it's all for the same reason. Do you know what that reason is? What's that? Like Gabriel, yes. And so so do, do we know why... We use these these tools. Why do we use these things, Ross? So we don't get sick. So we don't get sick. So we don't catch it. Okay. You don't want to catch it, right? It's contagious. Okay. So, do you know something else that's contagious? Your attitude. Do you know that if if you come in all happy, then people around you will be happy. If you come in grumpy. People around you are going to become grumpy too. It's really weird, but it works, okay? So, if you are reflecting Jesus, then the people around you will learn about him. Because just like everything else, Jesus is contagious, right? We can pass Jesus by the way we act, okay? So just remember that your attitude is very, very important. Can you remember that? Okay, that's, that's what I've got for you. But before you leave, before you go to class, we're going to do something today. We're going to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray before you go to class because I think it's important because it is cold and flu season. So let me pray for us. Everybody close your eyes. Just put your hands together. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for these people that have come today. Thank you for those of us who are healthy. But God, right now, we pray as a church family for those who are not feeling well, for those who are sick, for those who are suffering from cold and from flu and for, for anything else that's bothering them, Lord. We pray that you would heal them. We pray that you would make them strong. We pray that you would keep us safe and don't let us catch it. But remind us, God, that the good things that we have like our attitude, can also be contagious. And we should let others catch that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can go to class if you so choose, or you can hang out here with us, however that looks. Good morning, officially, everyone. Uh, we were doing worship, and... Um, a couple of my more technically savvy people in the back were looking at the streaming computer with concerned looks on their faces. That's a, but, but we're good. But, but that's a tech thing. I've been in IT for almost 40 years, and you just sort of adopt that look when, when you're working on something, and everybody comes by and they go, you look serious. Well, you'd want me to, right? You wouldn't want me to be you know, playing around, right? Because then I'm not fixing it. So I happen to look over there and be on this side of things for a change and go, wait a minute, they look really concerned. I wonder what's going on. But it's been taken care of, and thank you for that, uh, David and Melanie King. 
um, stepping in there and, and doing that for us. I, ha I have a few announcements before we get started today. Just as a reminder, we got to get those shoe boxes back. I, I, I see the um, some of the shoe boxes are back today. Um, if you have them, uh, get them assembled. Try to get them back here um, to the church so that I can get them distributed to where they need to go and they can get into the hands of the, of the children that they are for. Um, and to that end, also, um, reminder that we have a potluck coming up this Friday. So the good news is you don't have to wait a whole week before you can come back here. You can bring your shoebox with you if you don't have it today. Bring it Friday. We get together for a potluck. Make sure you talk to Maggie Pollard. Uh, make sure that we're not all bringing green bean casserole or, you know, we're not all bringing the same thing, okay? So, but uh, we, will, uh, we will have food here and fellowship and hope that all of you can make that. Um, that is, I believe, 6 o'clock. <coughs> we, we, uh, we said 5.30 for those of you that, that hear 5.30 and come at 6, but I think we're going to eat at 6, so um, there you go. And then our last thing is, as a church... We are looking at doing something for the students in the local area um, who are um, who don't have like sweatshirts or, or hoodies, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go out as a church and buy hoodies for some students in need uh, in some of the local schools or one of the local schools. And Maggie's got the details for that too. Um, what we're gonna have is essentially like an angel tree, where you can just take one, two, however many. And it'll have the, the, the gender of the child, the size, the whole thing, right? Then just go out, get the sweatshirt, try to get them back to us so that uh, we want to get them delivered to the staff at the school by the first week in December before they all leave, okay? I was going to say before it gets cold, but it got cold this morning, so, you know. All bets are off on, on, the, on the cold thing. But uh, that's um, all of my announcements. So um, let me just officially say uh, good morning uh, again to all of you and especially to those of you that are watching online. We are in week two in our series entitled The Power of Thanks. If you were with us last week, we, we looked at, at being thankful in all circumstances. And that was because it is the will of God that we are that way. We, we listed those five reasons why it would be God's will for us to be thankful. And the first one was that it, it honors God. And then we said it, it creates fellowship and that it, it develops our faith. It serves others. And finally, it's a witness to nonbelievers when we go through the world with an attitude that, that may seem foreign to, to some who don't know the Lord. And this week, we're going we're gonna to look at how joy, true joy, and praise stem from a heart of thankfulness. So let me pray as we begin, as I am prone to do. Heavenly Father, help us to continue to practice gratitude, to be thankful in all things. Show us the truth of your word. Give us eyes to see how we can experience true joy through the practice and the power of thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you are analog and you've got a book Bible, you can start getting uh, over to Psalm 100. Um, if, I don't know if you ever knew this, but the Psalms are directly in the middle of the Bible. 
So you can just take your Bible, kind of split it right in the middle, and you'll be right there at the Psalms, okay? And so go to Psalms 100. If you have an app, you got the search function, get to Psalm 100. That's where we're going to be today. That's going to be our focus verse. We're going to do the whole Psalm. And before you start to freak out, it's only five verses. So um, there we go. Uh, let's begin Psalm 100. It says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. When we read this psalm, it's pretty easy to pick up on the emotional cues that we are given by the author here. Joyful noise. Serve with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's a pretty elementary message here of, of how we are supposed to approach God and what our attitudes are supposed to be. It's clear we're being given direction on our attitude. And as I mentioned in the kids' message, you could talk to any parent, any coach, any teacher, any manager, any person that's ever supervised a group of other people, and they will tell you firsthand experience and truth that attitude is a contagious thing. All right, you've, you've seen this, right? It only takes one Debbie Downer to come into the room, okay, and all of a sudden starts bringing everybody down, right? One person comes in with a bad attitude, and then all of a sudden somebody else who was fine just a couple minutes ago, they start to pile on, right? And then somebody else, and then somebody else. And before you know it, we're all just mad, right? We're all just mad. We don't even know why, okay? And, and it happens. We've seen it. We've experienced it. You may have more easily experienced it on the flip side of things. Laughter is contagious. Two people get to laughing, and I don't mean just like snickering, but I mean like laughing to the point where one or both can't breathe and, you know, that kind of thing. And you happen to come into the room. And there's something about the human nature. You know, we want to be part of what's going on, right? So then all of a sudden we start laughing. We don't even know why we're laughing, right? But we start laughing, don't we? I mean, it, it, it's contagious. It just happens. So they're laughing. We're laughing. We know we don't know why we're laughing, okay? They know that we know that we don't know why we're laughing, okay? So we, at some point, have to at least admit that in public, and, you know, as soon as you get a breath and kind of go, what's, what's so funny? What are we laughing about? Well, that's a whole other problem. Because they have to be able to stop laughing long enough to explain to you what was so funny, Right? And, but it happens, okay? So I'm going to give you a prime example of this. My wife and her sister Holly 
can get each other going so bad, all right, especially when they're together, which doesn't happen a lot because Holly's in Florida and Angie's up here, but the two of them, even on the phone, can get going. But, but in person, they get laughing so hard that, that asthma inhalers have to come out and all this sort of thing. And, and you know, you want to be a part of it, right? But you can't be a part of it because you have no idea what's going on. They can't stop long enough to tell you what's so funny. But then when they do, they start laughing again, okay? Because then it just brings it all back up. But at least then you're on board too. And, and sure enough, at that point, somebody else is going to come walking in and go, what are we all laughing about? You know, and then it, it, the whole process starts over and over and over again. And it's because attitude is contagious. What's even more fascinating about attitude, especially when it comes to positive attitude and to joy, is that choosing to be positive speaks to the human ability to overcome the mind. We can choose to be joyful. To, to overcome what you may really be feeling, right? When it's, when it's not so joyful. I believe that's because being positive and joyful is rooted in something much deeper than just human choice. It's rooted in something far greater. Psalm 100 is, is not just any psalm of thanksgiving because there are plenty. It's not just any psalm of praise. Some believe that this psalm was sung by God's people on their way to the temple during the sacrifice of praise. Now, if you're anything like me, and I trust me, I pray daily that you're not, but I mean, if, if you are, okay, you might read or hear that phrase, sacrifice of praise, and you may just sort of stop for a minute and go, what does that mean? What is a, a sacrifice of praise? I, 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 I'm not sure that I, I quite understand. Do, do those two even go together? Now Hebrews 13.15 enlightens us a little bit. It says this, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. See, the, these two terms, sacrifice and praise, they just seem to be opposites. They're natural opposites. We, we think of sacrifice as offering something at a great cost to ourselves. Think about that. If, if I'm out with friends and we're all, you know, going out to, ha to have dinner together and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to watch that, that, you know, I don't turn into a Santa this year, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, right? But my buddies are like, no, nah, let's order all the appetizers. And they mean all of them, right? <laughs> let's do it. And I have to make that sacrifice of saying, guys, I, I can't partake. It looks good, but I really can't partake. All right, that, that sort of sacrifice, okay? Or maybe a sacrifice when there's something you want to do, even if that's nothing, but someone you love wants to do something else. They want to go to Hobby Lobby, or they want to go, you know, to one of those places, and you're like, okay, you have to sacrifice your time. 
Now, if you are prone to introversion, is that a word? Like me? Okay. Or you, you just, you, you understand this concept that time is the one thing that we can't buy more of. Time is the most precious thing we have. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to give up your time for someone else or something else. But we do it, right? That, that's how our human minds define sacrifice. Praise, on the other hand, sounds easy. That's, that's joyful. That's, you know, just that, that happiness and that joy and that laughter that just kind of bubbles up from, from a heart that's just grateful because guess what? I don't have to do what anybody else wants to today. I'm going to go home and take a nap. That's joy right there. That's praise. There's no sacrifice. I mean, think about it. Just think about it, right? This, this kind of phrase, sacrifice of praise, I think we tend to read over that and just gloss it and move on. We read it, we understand the words, but we don't really invest. We don't really pump the brakes there and go, wait a minute, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, we, we often praise someone or, or you know, we, we give uh, thanks because, why? Because it benefits us. Or it doesn't cost us anything, right? Good job. Hey, thanks for helping. I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord, right? This, this idea of sacrifice comes into play and then as in a sacrifice of, of praise and then all of a sudden we have to figure out how do we, how do we add sacrifice into that? How, how do we marry those two things together? Because again, when, when we try to quantify this idea of praise, we have to think about when, when do we use praise? When are, when are we full of praise? And it's, it's moments where, like, let's say you're training your dog. What do you do when you throw the ball and the dog brings the ball back? You praise the dog. Good job, good job. Same thing with the kids. When the kids clean the room and they pick up their toys, good job, good job, right? We praise the people that we work with for a job well done. It's, it's often our response really to an action that directly benefits us. Parents, we praise our kids because they did what they were supposed to do because if they don't do it, who does it? <laughs> so it benefits us to, to, to praise them for a job well done. You know, when, when God... Uh, it's the same thing with God. You know, we, 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 find, we find it easy to praise God when God does the things that fill us with joy. When, when we feel generous, we can sing, we can worship, right? We can, we can talk about, oh, God is so good. Everything is so great. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Where, yeah, everything is wonderful. Life is great. That kind of praise is good. Please hear me. That kind of praise is important, but it doesn't cost us anything. It's easy to praise God when it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's not a sacrifice. But as we all know, there are those times when God doesn't come through the way we thought he might or the way we wanted him to. It can happen. 
And so then it, it, it takes more. You know, the, 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 that medical test that you were hoping and praying was going to come back negative comes back positive. Right? The, the spouse comes home and says, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And then you're looking at a, a, a completely different life. That job that you've had for a long time all of a sudden just falls apart and you're unemployed. The, the mortgage comes due and you don't have the money in the bank account, right? The, the child that you raised turns from you and sometimes from the Lord. Those things happen to real people in real life. Sometimes God seems very far away. We were faced with an issue yesterday and, uh, you know, by the grand scheme of things, not a huge issue, but my wife broke down in tears when we were alone and she confessed to me, but I've been praying every day about this. Sometimes God seems far away. Sometimes praise is the last thing that's going to bubble up from our hearts. We, we can't see God's goodness and the circumstances scream that God has forgotten us. To praise God in those times, that requires sacrifice. It takes an act of the will to lay everything on the altar before a God that we don't understand. When we bring a sacrifice of praise, we choose to believe that even though life is not going as we think it should, that God is still good and God can be trusted. And when we choose to praise God in spite of the storms, he is honored and our faith grows deeper. That's what the author of Hebrews means when he says the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. It means that we praise God when we can't see goodness. When our circumstances scream that he has forgotten us. When God does not come through the way that we thought he should or when we're at our wit's end. What then? Hebrew says, offer up a sacrifice of praise. How often? Continually. Continually? You see, to praise God in those times requires personal sacrifice. It takes our all to cast over our uncertainties to a God that we don't quite understand in the moment. We can't base our praise of God on our opinion of his job performance. I'm going to repeat that. We can't base our praise of God on our opinion of his job performance. We, praise can't be treated as a reward that we give God for his obvious blessing, right? We don't, way to go, God. Good job this time. It's okay to laugh because it sounds ridiculous. But we kind of do that sometimes. Isaiah 29, 13 talks about this when, you know, God is speaking and he says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
Real praise continues regardless of the circumstances. It flows continually from a worshiping heart in good times and in bad times. You recall the story of what happened to the Apostle Paul and his buddy Silas when they were in Philippi. And, and Paul had cast a demon out of this young girl who was a source of great income for these guys. And so Paul and Silas got thrown in jail. And not into the outer jail, but into the inner jail, right? They, they were way down there in, into the dungeon, okay? And in Acts uh, 16, it says this, And when they inflicted many blows upon them, so they'd been beaten, right? And they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. After a beating, after being thrown in prison, into a dungeon, dirty, filthy, awful, in shackles, and they're singing hymns. And I'm going to spoil the story for you. An amazing thing happens. Not just in that prison, but to that jailer and his family. That sacrifice of praise comes from a humble heart that has been purified by fire. It rises from a spirit that has chosen to honor God in spite of the pain that life is causing at the present. Our attitude of joy is a result of our thanksgiving to God. We should not base our attitude on our circumstances because those always change. When we base our attitude on the one who is unchanging and always constant, then our joy will be more consistent. Imagine a pilot for just a moment, flying by his or her feelings. If, if the pilot did this, the, the pilot would get turned around pretty quickly, right? I mean, pilots are trained to fly using their instruments. And there's a reason for this. They don't use their feelings. Because when they're up in the sky, it's easy for them to get confused, to think they're up when they're down, they're going west when they're going east, they, they just get completely turned around. But their instruments are constant. Their instruments can tell us what to do. It's their objective reality. And it's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with praise in our lives. When, when God is our objective reality, when God is our instrument panel, then we're more inclined to praise him in situations that we wouldn't otherwise. And because of that, our attitude gets better. Because of that, our attitude becomes joyful. Now, if all of this sounds really difficult to you, I don't want you to beat yourself up because it is. It, it truly is difficult. It's easy to say. It's easy to preach. It's not easy to live. 
we all have to be willing to confess that and believe that, that that is true. It's, it's not. That's why the author says that it's by him, Jesus Christ, that we're able to do such a thing. We can't do it. We need Christ to be truly joyful and positive. And it goes further than that. It's just not about, about uh, us being, you know, getting joy. It goes back to the idea of, of that attitude being contagious, right? Have, have you ever seen a good plot twist in a movie? Right? Some of us are nodding our heads. You have ideas in your head of a, of a, great, a great plot twist, one you just didn't see coming. I think uh, one of my all-time favorites is the original Planet of the Apes. If you've seen that one from the 60s, right? So you've got these astronauts that are shot into space and they're put in hibernation and they're, they're, they're asleep for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And they crash on this strange planet. And on this planet, human beings are treated like animals and the apes are in charge, okay? The apes are riding horses and they're, you know, running everything. And there, there's a, a revolution and, and of course Charlton Heston's there because you, know, you can't have a revolution without Charlton Heston but you know so, so uh, Heston is the hero of the movie and at the end of the movie he's on horseback with, with his, um, his woman, his girlfriend right and then they're riding away from the apes they're riding the freedom okay away from this whatever it is and they're running down the beach and if you remember this scene they're, they're on the beach on horseback and they come around this bend and they're buried like in the sand is the Statue of Liberty. And he falls to his knees and he realizes he's not on a foreign planet. He's not on some strange world. He's on Earth in the far future. And humankind did this. Wow. No one saw that one coming, right? No one saw that one coming. We all know the Sixth Sense one. I'm not going to spoil that, but everybody's going to say, you know, everyone knows that one, right? A another personal favorite because I'm a Star Wars nerd, Empire Strikes Back. Possibly the, the greatest shock of cinema history because there was no internet back in those days. There were no spoilers. And the big bad guy, Darth Vader, is the hero's father. What? That's still such a great moment. It still gives you chills, right? We all still, we know that one. Plot twists. Plot twists are amazing. And there's so much fun, but they make us think, right? So I want you to imagine again this passage of Psalm 100 for just a moment. Up there, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, all of these things. We're told to offer our offering of praise and thanksgiving to God because he is good to us, because he is God, because he leads us, all these things. We can trust him, we can praise him, that is worship. That is what worship is, and it's why we worship. But the plot twist is this. What, what we read here as our attitude toward God should also be our attitude toward others. 
Our attitude toward God of praise and thanksgiving should be our attitude toward others. I mean, th think about that. We are told to offer praise and thanksgiving to God. But is God the only one? Gregory Beale in his book, We Become What We Worship, said this. When my two daughters, Hannah and Nancy, were about two or three years old, I noticed how they imitated and reflected my wife and me. They cooked, fed, and disciplined their play animals and dolls just the way my wife cooked, fed, and disciplined them. They gave play medicine to their dolls just the way that we fed them medicine. Our daughters also prayed with their stuffed animals and dolls the way that we prayed with them. They talked on their toy telephone with the same kind of Texas accent that my wife uses when she talks on the phone. Or Kentucky accent if you're David King, right? You know, so. Most people, I am sure, have seen this with children. But children only begin what we continue to do as adults. We imitate. Most people can think back to junior high, high school, even college, when you're in a group and to one degree or another, whether consciously or unconsciously, they reflected and resembled that peer group. Right? We started to dress the same. We started to... to you know, talk the same and read the same books and watch the same movies and all this sort of thing. And um, Quick story, we were at Westtown Mall years ago. My son Marty was in high school, and he and I were at the food court, and there were a group of kids there, and this was a thing at the time, the goths, okay? So they were all dressed, all of them were dressed like in complete, like black. They had, you know, the tackle box look on the face and the, the whole thing going. They had the hair dyed black and, the, you know, the whole thing. And, and they were all together at one table because that's human nature, right? So they were all together at one table and I couldn't help but look. And it was making my son nervous. He's a very non-confrontational guy. And he's like, Dad, don't stare. Don't stare. I'm like, they're kids. What are they going to do? You know, I'm just, you know, isn't that what they want? Isn't that what they want? Because they're, they're, they're dressing different. They're dressing unique. I said, why do they do that? He goes, because they want to be individuals. I said, but they're all sitting together and they all look the same. <laughs> right? We all do it. We, we do it. When we hang out together, we, we talk alike, we walk alike. Right? It's like Patty Duke, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, my sister had that in her head. I knew it. So... But yeah, okay, it happens. That's human nature, and that's what the author is talking about here. Us adults reflect what we are around. We reflect the things in our culture and in our society. So the principle is this. What we revere, we resemble, either for ruin or restoration. What we revere, we resemble. So commit yourselves to some to something bigger than just a part of God's creation or a person that God has created. 
When, when we worship something that's in creation, we become like it. And that thing, by its very nature, is not, it, it's, it's spiritually lifeless, right? It's, it's, it's like, if I want to become like this thing, it wouldn't be as hard as you'd think, really. But, I mean, if we want to if we want to revere God, we choose to revere him and resemble God. The creator, not the creation. So back to that plot twist. If we're resembling God, then, then the things that we are called to do here toward God, we will do toward our neighbors, right? Remember that when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What was, what was his response? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Long slide, sorry folks. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we're entering into this busy season, this season of extended family, this season of road trips, this season of out-of-town visitors, of social gatherings, let's be patient with one another. Let's, let's not be afraid to be personal with one another. Let's care for others. Let's invest in their lives. Let's do that all in the way that God does it for us. Let's revere God, resemble God to those around us. We achieve this through the power of thanks. It's, it's a sacrifice of praise to the God who made us, who saved us, who models for us the kind of love that we must have for each other. When you are in the midst, in the thick of it on Thanksgiving Day and you are surrounded by 45 people and it is loud, that's a sacrifice. I don't care who you are. I don't care how extroverted you are. That's a sacrifice. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Right. Let me pray for us and ask Robert to come up closes today Lord help us to remember that we can be thankful it's it's simply yet powerfully true because of who you are because of what you've done for us Lord help us to resemble you through our, our time with you our closeness with you our reverence of you of who you are Lord, you have called us to love others the way we want to be loved. And I confess sometimes that's not easy. But you know that, don't you? Help us to be those people. Help us to love others. Help us to be thankful even when it's a sacrifice especially when it's a sacrifice. All God's people said,